Yeah, it, it's a horrible, horrible feeling. And so uh, the analogy I use is I felt like I was going swimming in the sea. And this is an immediate reminder to me. It was when you're in a surf beach and you get smacked over by a wave and you start to roll. And we've all done it. You come up for a breath of fresh air and then the next wave comes and hits you and takes you down. And you think, crikey, I'm starting to panic. So you come up again and, whoa, there's another wave. And then there's another wave. And then there's, and so you're continually rolling. And every so often you just, just get enough to keep you going. And that's how it feels. Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. Unique perspectives, practical insights, and unexpected discoveries directly focused on giving you the unfair advantage. Introducing your hosts, Nadia Hughes and Terrence Toe. Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. I'm Terrence Toe, founder, managing director of Strategic Corporation. And, and I'm Nadia Hughes. <laughs> As we agreed, we are going to drop from now on. It's just probably last time we introduce ourselves by our last names. Oh. And modern research says it's better to stick to the first one. And the reason why Lance will be explaining us too much luggage. Too much luggage? Yes. Yeah, so today luggage. we're speaking with Lance Burdett. Now, Lance was on one of our very early podcasts. Yes. So this is his second time on. And it's called We Can't Get Enough of Lance. No, we can't. Lance <laughs> is joining us today to speak about overwhelm and I guess managing all the choices that we've got there today. So welcome, Lance. Thank you very much. Yep, Lance is my name and or Lance if you were from this side of the ditch. I was christened Lance, so let's just stick with that. Okay. And I run a company dealing with de-escalation of angry people, how to manage stress, how to control things in our life and basically fix our heads which seem to be falling over more than they ever used to so our focus lance is on to business owners and mm. helping them they're just human beings i know it's just putting them in a category of business owners is limiting um, to my attempt to limit the issue however if we can focus on and talk from this perspective it would really be beneficial for our podcast yeah, sure. Um, in fact, that's an interesting question I got asked the other day. I was doing some work in a timber mill, actually, and so with the grassroots, as I call them, the, the, the workers that are out there, and they said, do you do a program for business owners and CEOs and that, that sort of executive higher echelon? I said, yes, I do. I changed the title. <laughs> um, exactly. That's so, so, <laughs> so everything I'm going to talk to you about, and I'm running my own business, I know it's, it's quite demanding. And it's just adding to the demand that we've already got on our, on our plate. But it's the same for all of us these days, except that there is an expectancy. There is a higher degree of demand on business owners simply because they've got everyday challenges that you and I have, plus they've got this business to run now, depending on this. It doesn't matter what really what size the business is. Um, although you've obviously got more to lose, but you don't worry about that. You can control what you control. But for most of us, it's um, we're just getting overwhelmed with so many choices, so many things that we have to do and should do and shouldn't do. Technology is only one small part of that. I used to think that it was all down to technology, and it's just, yes, technology is part of it, and yes, we're becoming isolated because of social media, but, but look at us sitting in two different parts of the world and talking 
to each other right now. And on a Sunday, it's perfect. Uh, and it's what we should probably do more of, to be, to be fair. Oh, we will be doing a lot of it with you, Lance, because your expertise is what I like about you. It's not only your knowledge, but the way you actually convey this knowledge to us. It's a very down-to-earth delivery, and it's also very precise, sort of cutting truth, and it resonates with me because you have been through this. You are living this. It's not just something you read from the book. Mm. It's something you will put into the book, but it comes from you within. That's why I find you as a speaker extremely precious to our podcast and having a touch base with you from time to time is great because we also see evolution of your thought because the more you present, the more you see the pain of your audience and you revamp your programs accordingly. And that's, um, I'm looking forward to today's discussion. Let's have a chat about what you initially intended to do is to discuss the stress and types of stress and mm. how to deal with this. Yeah, and thank you for your compliments. Yeah, the program does change. The more I learn, the more I read, the more I get to understand what's going on. But also it is that interaction with audiences as you go. To, so we learn from each other. So the more I stand up in front of an audience, the more I learn. Now, something that's been a huge discovery for me and in fact changed my life and I can't uh, stress enough that it has changed things. I'm extremely busy these days and very grateful for that. And it was a change that came about just at pure accident. I, a post out just on Facebook about the two types of stress we have, type one and type two. Type one stress is good for us. It brings excitement. So it's that standing up in front of an audience. It's putting yourself under a little bit of pressure a little bit of pressure is good for us. It gets us excited and excite with excitement brings dopamine and dopamine is a reward chemical. So working hard and getting things done rewards us. So that's a good stress. The bad stress is when we become overwhelmed with everything. So we're getting busier and busier. We sit at our computer and we look at the emails and we think, I don't know which one to answer first. I'm not sure. So we start on one and we get halfway through that and go, oh, there's another one just popped up. I'll try that one. There's another one. I'll try that. And then is the sign that we need to stop. We need to change something. So type one is good for us. Type two, not so good. And the way the analogy I use is type one is stress. is just like jumping out of an airplane. It's all fun. It's exciting. Type two is forgetting to put the parachute on. You're going to be worried all the way down <laughs> to the ground. Please don't worry, just enjoy the ride. And so for me, I put a post out on it and somebody, in fact, a psychotherapist who, um, who I'm friends with came into the conversation and said, if you've had something happen in your childhood to you that will impact on you, you'll see all stress, both exciting and non-exciting, as non-exciting, as actual stress. And for me, I just had the sudden thought of something that happened to me in my childhood, in fact, when I was 13. And I just sent him a message, would this do it? And he goes, yeah, that'll be fine. <laughs> and so straight away, I just went, wow. And it was like unblocking a hose pipe. Mm -hmm. I just, I was, I, I, the other day I did three keynote presentations, all different in the same day, which is just lunacy. It's a little bit crazy. How did you last? Okay. This drug you released in your body, do, do dopamine. 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 I just have to be careful with the pharmaceuticals here. <laughs> so this is what kept you going because you suddenly over what I hear is people who experience childhood trauma and majority of us, let's face it, experienced yep. it. Some of them don't even realize that they have been victim of some kind of abuse. They 
treats all stress regardless of whether it's positive stress or negative stress the treat yes. is negative because the little what makes them not segregate between these stresses so it's all to do with the brain itself and the way we perceive things in our perception. So it was interesting you said the word there, some form of trauma. It can be anything. Yes. It might even be something as simple as perceiving something. So you might see, and it happened to somebody very close to me, they walking down the road and they see a, a cat meowing outside on the footpath. And straight away that person thought that cat was lost. It wasn't. We went back to find out it wasn't. So that traumatized, that was just an initial impact that impacted later on in life. So we all have these little, I call them touch points, little negative touch points along our life. And I'm just doing some work on this at the moment around, are we more resilient? In other words, do we worry less? And are we able to cope with things if we've had trauma in our life or not? if we had a stable childhood. And the, the thinking is starting to turn around that maybe if we've had more of a stable childhood, it may be that we are more resilient, that we haven't had these little touch points that have put blockages in the hose pipe. And so what psychologists and psychotherapists do is they find that little blockage, they get to ask you and they ask you some pretty deep questions and it sort of just unblocks that. And once it's unblocked, away you go. So it is finding that thing that hurt, that pain, is all it needs to be. It might be, you know, the loss of a loved one. It could be a marriage breakup with the parents, separations, all anything like that. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a victim of an offence or of a crime. It could be anything that impacts on you personally. Now, the interesting thing about the word stress, I don't like that word. I think it's, it's wrong. We use it incorrectly. The, the origin from what I've read, the origin of the word stress is stretched. Now, for me, that's a much better term stretched you're stretched is there type one and type two stretched no it's the same thing isn't it our brain is working overtime when we become stretched mm -hmm. so the way we see words for me is very 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 important and so what do you do when you're stretched you rest and wouldn't that be the right thing to do if you're under type two stress worry worry is an interesting thing worry leads to to a lot of stress but so the the number one thing I teach people to do with stress is to, stress is like a risk management tool. So that's all it is. It's designed to look for danger, exaggerate it, to bring clarity and so you can fix it. So what about we sat down with whatever we were worried about and worked out what is it that could happen, list the things that could happen, list the likely which one of those things happening and what you would do if each one of those happened. Because that's how you control stress. That's how you control that worry, that all the stuff that we... Because stress, that type 2 stress, is from worry and regret and guilt and all those sort of things play on us. And then we add life on top of that and our brain is simply going too fast. I have a question for you now. So stress is our natural response to need of our body to rest the sign our body gives us. However, it also exaggerates this uh, need because it knows that if we, it's not strong enough, the response will be delayed and therefore would, something can go terribly wrong. So where is the balance between having stress fractures? And it's, I will unpack it if you allow me to a yep. little bit about it. And this exaggerated demand of our body 
So what mm-hmm. we do need as a business owner, for example, or as a human being who is under stress a lot, and I have been of recent, it's my real big need now to have this distinction between type one and type two, which I can now clearly understand I haven't been able to produce this distinction. So let's unpack very quickly. Mm-hmm. The stress itself, when it's being ignored and people push through the stress, we're experiencing what sports people call stress fractures. Your body just starts falling apart. If we're talking about gymnasts and their tiny bones in their feet, the constant work on their feet and ignoring the pain led, leads them to having bones yes. being crushed. Yes. With our emotional well-being, when we stress, 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 our mind starts shutting down. We technically yes. become incapacitated. However, as stress exaggerated response of our body as well, where is there is a point when we should not ignore this, mm. which means yeah, very good. it as exaggerated, and when we should just turn on this defense mechanism. I love that analogy. That's the same analogy that I use when I'm talking with people. So, so it is our mind. It's not our brain. And our mind, you know, our brain forms our mind, and our mind controls our brain. That's how this whole st- all this stuff works. Now, when you go into type 2 stress and you become completely overwhelmed, your brain will actually start to, and when you, your, your brain will, and then your mind will start to shut down. So I, when I meet with people, I ask them a question. Are you in a washing machine? Are you in a movie? Or are you drowning? And that's the three stages we go through. So when we first become overwhelmed or we're becoming stretched too much, our brain races it races so fast we can't keep up with it it then starts to impact on us on our sleep patterns we're basically in fight or flight most of the day so we're having bad chemicals put through cortisol and adrenaline are going through our systems regularly and we're continually fighting ourselves and so if we're in that washing machine If you stay in that washing machine for too long, what happens is our brain starts to slow down. We get tired. We're not sleeping. And it feels surreal. It's almost like walking in a movie. It's an unusual feeling. And to an extent, that's what medicine does when we are hitting it, becoming depressed and heading into depression. If they do give you chemic, you were talking about before about, you know, pharmaceuticals, what they do is it's designed to put a plaster cast around your brain. If you break an arm, we put your arm in it. If you have a stress fracture, what do they do? They bandage it up, don't they? Mm -hmm. Or they support it in some way. So that's what medicine does to an extent, the same, exactly the same thing. And then they hold us in that position and and then we have to come off that medication if, if we can. Some people can't and some people need to stay on it. And then they roll it back and we try and start taking control of our brain again, of our mind. And we basically, we start, I've met with people who have, have been suicidal, in fact, had a suicide attempt and survived. Every one of those I've spoken to, they've all said the same thing. I just wanted to restart my life. I just wanted to be reborn in my mind. I just wanted everything to stop and to restart. But of course, your brain isn't like that. Your mind isn't like that. It's not something you can suddenly stop and start but what you can start doing is taking control as soon as you feel yourself in that washing machine now i use a number of simple things the the first one is breathing 
Breathing is the only thing that will control and slow down your mind. Now, something people may not realize, and I've, so again, when I talk to big audiences, they all go, ah, oh, that makes sense, is the fact that we, our brains aren't wired to stop thinking. We can't. When you do meditation, mindfulness, they get you to think of nothing. Well, what are you doing? You're thinking. You can't do it. And they say when you feel or, or, or imagine that thought coming through your brain, acknowledge it and let it go. And so continually our brain and our mind is working 24-7, our unconscious, conscious during the day, unconscious in the, at night time. And so with all of this stuff going on, and now with the number of choices we have, uh, the amount of pressure we're put under, I guess the, the urge to succeed, whether it's either internal or external, it all adds up. Now, I read the other day from research that we are not more anxious than we've ever been before. It's just that there's more of us. I doubt that's the case. I think we are more anxious than we've ever been before. And it's just a matter of controlling that. And we can control our mind with our thoughts because they're the same thing. Because that's what our mind is, it's our thoughts. So the simple technique I teach is take a very big, deep breath. Hold your breath and then count inside your head to three. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, and then breathe out. And it's the breathing out that reduces your heart rate. And you can do that three, four, or five times a day. Just that simple thing will slow your brain down. So fight or flight is both physiological and psychological. So by taking that big, deep breath, holding your breath, and then controlling your thoughts, breathing out, uh, it reduces anxiety. Probably, yeah, anxiousness. It probably reduces anxiousness. And there's a number of other breathing techniques to use. And it all works on, believe it or not, the meditation, mindfulness, yoga, all those sorts of things that Eastern cultures in particular have known for thousands of years. Science has just finally caught up to that. And so that's what we just need to do is, is to put that plaster cast. You know, I teach you such a simple thing as wear a rubber band on your wrist. Every single time you catch yourself overthinking, overworrying. You know, I ask people in the audience, um, who do you talk to the most in your day? Yourself. And if you're thinking right now, no, I don't, you're doing it. And I just see all the, mainly the older people sit there and go, you know, big look on their face. No, I don't. And then I'll say, if you're saying, no, I don't right now. And they'll go, ah, you're right. Yeah. And we've just forgotten that we're doing it. Mm. You know, we've got lots of trouble with crashes and things over here with, with truck drivers. And there's some research that shows that uh, our attention span is 90 seconds when we're driving. So every 90 seconds, our brains run. And they've got some great technology in trucks these days. If your eyes stay closed for longer than a blink the steering wheel in the car and the truck shakes to wake you that's fantastic but what i want is something that comes out and smashes them in the face every time their mind wanders off mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to drive they'd have to sit on the side of the road because our while we're driving you know driving used to be quite simple didn't it you turn the key one way and it diesel glow plugs work you turn it the other way to start the truck you put it into gear and off goes the brake and you drive off it's like an aircraft cockpit now in front of those trucks there's lots going on and they're doing all sorts and also what's happened is we've got some great safety features in our work these days so when i do programs on psychology of safety i was a builder we used to build scaffolding out of 
pallets, wooden pallets, and join them all together and stack them up, and it was great. Wobbly, but at least we were alert. Now we have so much safety practices. Why are we still having the same accidents, the same number? Because now we think about something else. Our brains are just, you know, we've got tractors now that stop you from tipping over if you go too far or whatever. So you don't have to worry about those things anymore. That used to keep our brain occupied, worrying about going too fast, going too slow. Now we're just worrying about other things, other things. Comes for me, it's, it seems to be the case where the nature doesn't tolerate emptiness. So if we mm -hmm. replace this one function, it's not going to stay there dormant. It's just going to feel itself being busy with something else. And this is our human nature. You start with washing machine analogies and you said it's going to be movie and then drowning. Mm. So what these three stages of stress can you just unpack the movie stage? Yeah, sure. So when we become completely overwhelmed, so it's like we're in a washing machine, so our brain's traveling flat out. When you do so, your brain becomes so overwhelmed, it gets tired. And so we move into that stage of, stage of and I call it, and there's a number of ways of calling it, depressed. And when I ask people, what does depressed mean? It's a low mood you're beaten down, you're pushed down. And when that happens, everything feels surreal. It's just, it's like a movie. It's like you can walk past or through people. And that's just nature's way of saying, stop, stop. We're out, we're exhausted. We've got lots of chemicals flowing in our brain through our body. And it's time just to, if you don't want to stop yourself, I'll stop you. And so we become quite flat. So we're just beaten down. And instead of, trying instead of going away for a week or two weeks and saying right i'm getting out of here i'm going to stop everything we fight it and we do that and, and i'm talking to somebody who's been who's had depression and who was suicidal had suicidal ideations and so it's it's just completely counterintuitive to us particularly men and i say this with all due respect to men we try and sort these things out ourselves because evolutionary that's what we've always done and we Focus too much on our thoughts, that voice that we have inside our head, the self-critic, if you like, the one that starts when we were a little child, that when we used to wake up in the middle of the night and it's dark and the voice would say to us, it's okay, I'm here, it's dark, but I'm with you. And, you know, eat your veggies. Oh, well, I'll just, just you know, that voice says, just eat two or three of them because when you're 16, we're going to leave home. And it just talks to you like that. And then it starts to turn when our brains, at 13, our brains rewire, 13 for girls, 14 for boys. And when it starts to rewire, that voice starts to turn and it starts to compare us to others. You know, you're not in the first 15, you're in the second 15. Uh, you've got a few pimples, you've got a few this, you've got a few that. And it starts comparing us. And then when we become an adult, it, it holds us back and says, you didn't do that right, you know, so don't do it again. And when we come in that, into that, that movie stage, it says, you'll be right. Just keep fighting. Just don't talk with anybody. Don't go outside. Don't exercise. Don't do the things that we really need to do. Mm -hmm. Because we're relying on our evolutionary thoughts. So we're better off, as soon as we get to that stage, it's do the opposite of what our brain tells us. Because eventually, we've been in that state and we fought and fought and fought it. We get so tired, we get so overwhelmed, the chemicals are now starting to change in our brain 
and our breathing becomes very short, very shallow. In fact, we don't even know we're breathing. And one of the first techniques that you get taught when you get into those situations is to learn how to re-breathe because it feels like you're drowning. The reason is your lungs aren't filling with air. You're bent over. You're going into almost like the fetal position because your brain says you're under a big load. So how about we just go away, hide, dark room, sleep. Sleep doesn't come, of course, but that's what your brain says. In fact, what we should do is we should socialize, exercise, and if we did those two in that order, sleep would come a lot easier. But of course, we're listening to that voice. And we're going on to Dr. Google. If you ever go on to Dr. Google for anything, it always ends up the same way. You're going to die. <laughs> yes. Even if you've got a broken fingernail. Why do my fingernails keep breaking? If you go through that whole list, at the end of it, it's cancer and death. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, go to the doctor. So from um, there, you're going on to the drowning mm. side of things? Yeah, it, it's a horrible, horrible feeling. And it's, so the analogy I use is... is I felt like I was going swimming in the sea. And this is an immediate reminder to me. It was when you're in a surf beach and you get smacked over by a wave and you start to roll and you came up for a, we've all done it. You come up for a breath of fresh air and then the next wave comes and hits you and takes you down and you think, crikey, I'm starting to panic. So you come up again and whoa, there's another wave and then there's another wave and then there's, and so you're continually rolling and every so often you just, just get enough to keep you going. And that's how it feels. And, and can I say, at that stage, you're not really thinking. At that stage, you're going through the motions. It's just, and it really is second by second. It's just, I remember parked on the, on the motorway, the motorways, uh, as most motorways in most countries, are, was chocker. And I, I'm sitting and I'm just thinking to myself, just breathe just breathe and I looked across and I saw a lady next to me in the car she's looking straight ahead and I thought boy I wish I could be here right now unbeknownst to me she's probably going through the same thing because we all go through this we've all felt it you both of you there are nodding your heads at me while I talk about this and have been there somewhere close to it it's just that we've forgotten we need to stop listening to this stuff inside our head and we need to go and say hey Terence I'm struggling mate I can't breathe and Terence will give me a slap in the face and go, it's just you, mate. It's just your head. Come on, let's have a chat. Let's sit down. Let's work out what's going on. And then I'd listen to Terence and he'd listen to me and we'd share a few things and we'd go, right, here's the plan, mate. For the next 80 days, all I want you to do is breathe. I want you to sit down three or four times a day and just take that big deep breath. Know that I'm here. Know you can send me a text and that you won't send a text back to me saying, harden up, you loser, that you'll say, Remember to breathe, idiot. So just little things like that to help each other. And, and to be, I mean, it's a simplistic way of looking at it because each of us is different. But for the majority of people, that's what this stuff is. We need to get, so my work I do is prevention. We need to get to this much earlier. So when we're feeling in that washing machine, we have to do something to stop that washing machine. So we've got to get some help with our business, if that's what we're worried about. If the business is starting to fail, perhaps we could go and see an expert. Perhaps we could go and see Nadia or somebody like that that could help us with our accounts. We could go and, instead of trying to work through all this ourselves, we go and find an expert in the area of business that we want to support ourselves in. 
Hey, it's Terence here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unfair Advantage Project with Lance Burdett. This has been episode one of two. Check out episode two coming soon to the Unfair Advantage Project. Thanks for listening to the Unfair Advantage Project. For more curated resources, visit us at unfairadvantageproject.com.